This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We acknowledge Elders past and present. Sovereignty was never ceded. Tonight, on 40 to 50 Minutes, the dangers of taking a chance. She was less taking a chance and more she was just putting bets on my future. The pup who tricked communities out of their life savings. Now we don't have the money to hold an Anzac Day parade. And gave rise to a cult. Hello, Ninth of Squawky. The lies of a dog who won't say where she has hidden the money. I gave it to Gina Reinhardt. She wanted to carve a poem into Uluru. I'm Whitlam Bass, and this is 40 to 50 Minutes. Swellen Maxwell Jenkins, or Spooky Sue, was once the treasurer of Australia. A chihuahua so bold that she said there was no gap in the budget that could not be bridged. Damn the consequences, she acted as if not even God could touch her. Mojitos, illegal cockfights, padded wigs. It has been said by many of her staffers that working in her office was wilder than a day at the races. After the infamous Tika Masala scandal, she was thrown from Parliament and for years she wallowed in obscurity. But in the shadows, this pup plotted, seeding a rise to power that has since shocked the nation. Attempting to capitalise on the closure of casinos, Spooky Sue opened a casino in her friend's good room. When that burnt down in a caterpillar-induced combustion event, she moved her operation under the piers of the Mornington Peninsula. That was until the police came for her. Not willing to hand herself over to justice, she took to the roads, leading a police chase that crossed rural Victoria. Along the way, Spooky lured many into games of chance, bankrupting small communities in her wake. Tonight, you'll hear shocking stories of the many who have fallen victim to this pup, including the son of her alleged accomplice, Janine Bristles. Today, this once proud suburban home lies in ashes, abandoned by its owner, the charged accomplice of Spooky Sue Jenkins, Janine Bristles. Her son, Corey Bristles, is demanding justice. It's, it's hard. It's hard being back here. But his mother, Janine Bristles, is determined that despite the state of her home, that Spooky Sue is innocent of any wrongdoing. Yes, I mean, Spooky did tell me to set up a casino in my good room. But really, she can't be blamed. I didn't have to do it. My good room was available. It was just available. Inside these once proud walls, Spooky Sue set up the first of her many illegal casinos along the Mornington Peninsula, an act that many have seen to be foundational to the worldwide protests against the coronavirus lockdowns. It's what Spooky would have wanted, you know, to start a movement. You know her? She's a political animal. Spooky Sue led a privileged life. She had the love of two daddies, a large yard in which to wander. She was adored by many, especially the local school children, to whom she took a great interest in educating. But in private, she had an insatiable appetite for money and would go to any means to obtain it. Even if that meant destroying the very nation she loved. Armed with nothing but a cup and bowl, this enterprising chihuahua set out to bankrupt the country that had given her so much. Tonight, inside the Spooky Sue scandal, we bring you stories from those towns tricked into bankruptcy. You know, we used to have lots of money, 
fates, community bands, an annual pumpkin festival. Now we don't have the money to hold an Anzac Day parade. And take you into the dark depths of her wrongdoing. I would say there is at least thousands of victims, maybe millions. We've never seen anything like this. It's catastrophic. Tonight, we ask, how did Spooky Sue wriggle her way into the lap of power? Who is the lawyer, Sylvester's Flanders Nagel, leading her defence? And most importantly, we ask, where has she hidden the money so callously snatched from her victims who are now demanding justice? Corey Bristles was a happy child. As a rising academic star and enthusiastic horticulturalist, he successfully spearheaded a letter-writing campaign to introduce native edible leaves to school canteens in 2012. He felt that nothing could get in his way. That was until one unfortunate day in 2015, when his life changed forever. We went to ScienceWorks um, as a class back in 2015. And there was a lot of things that happened that day. Some people say that it was me um, tr trying to outrun Kathy Freeman, that that brought on the profuse sweating that wouldn't stop. Other people say that the earthquake simulator uh, triggered a fear response in me that uh, made me slippery, uh, to try trying to cool me down. But. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'll never know. But I, I know I, I never. I came out of came out of that science works a cha a changed boy. After Corey became slippery, his life fell apart. He was no longer welcome at the junior science club, as he kept dropping the beakers. His friends stopped calling. Even his own mother seemed to find him repulsive. I guess you could say everybody gave me the slip, which is pretty funny if you know how slippery I am. At 18, with the aid of an experimental treatment led by one of Melbourne's leading termatologists, Corey was recovering. That was until a small dog called Spooky entered his life. So my mum had started seeing this chihuahua who she told me about. She said that she was a lucky chihuahua. Uh, she'd have her on her lap at the TAB. And I didn't think much of it until I w was at one of my needling sessions, and uh, which is where I get my injections to suppress my, my sweat and snot and pus production. And um, um, the card that mum gave me got rejected. Um, they didn't tell me why at the doctors, but they stopped the needling halfway through. So half of my body, my right hand side, was completely bone dry, but my left, um, they hadn't touched that at all with the needles. That was just dripping profusely, just like a tidal wave down my left-hand side. Um, it wasn't very evenly distributed, and I had to drive home like that. Um, kept getting a, a, a lot of sticky juices all over the gear stick. Um, but uh, the accelerator stick was... Uh, uh, you know, dry as a bale of hay, so that was that was a bit of a boon. Um, I I was pretty angry though. Um, I said to mum when I got home, "What have you gone and spent the money on?" That was my needling money. And she looked me in the eye, um, halfway through an arrowroot biscuit, and she said, "T 
take a chance. And what did you say when your mother said that you needed to take a chance? It's really hard for me to talk about because um, I really felt like I was already taking all the chances in our relationship, if you know what I mean. I feel like I was taking a chance on my slipperiness, my future happiness, and I couldn't really see what my mother was taking a chance on, right? She was less taking a chance and more she was just putting bets on my future, on my future happiness. So... I told her about what we'd been learning in school. We had this dance troupe that had come in. They, they were called the Pokey Posers. And, and they had this song that I learned at school. And, and it, it goes a little something like this. Um, yeah, so this is the song. Uh, you might think that you're betting true, but really the Pokies are playing you every time. You juice that fruit, you're sending your life down the chute. Yeah. Um, well, I thought that would really move Mum, but she seemed to just ignore it. Um, she just took uh, her Percocet and went to bed like she always did with a Dan Brown novel under her arm. Fucking angels and demons. And when did you first realise this turn to chance was the work of Spooky Sue? Well, Mum was always on the phone to Spooky. Um, she'd get up and she'd call her at breakfast and Spooky would be instructing her um, to place bets on under-10s netball finals on this phone app that Mum had. I don't even know that they had people calling live odds on junior netball leagues, but apparently they sent out men in dark coats to call live odds. Um, I mean, why anyone would do that is just beyond me, but... Anyway, I, I thought it was a pretty obscure thing to do to be betting on. And to be honest, it didn't sound like Mum and Spooky were having very friendly conversations over the phone. I could hear a lot of barking, Spooky's barking orders, you know, literally barking. Um, and, you know, she was, she was, she was barking um, the words, um, take a chance. But uh, it was like, take a chance, but like if a dog said it, you know, like, take a chance, take a chance. It's very... It's very like that, like that ABBA song. It's a sunny day here in Port Melbourne, and everybody at this police station is in high spirits. That is, except for Corey Bristles, who has a great deal on the line. On sale today are the seized assets of Spooky Sue and Janine Bristles, including the car stolen, then driven cross-country by Spooky on her escape from the law. So before Spooky stole this car, you lived here? Yeah, I lived here. That was my um, that was my kitchen there in the driver's seat. My living room was the back seats. Um, my garage was the boot. I mean, it's probably um, the nicest house I've ever lived in. Not... Uh, you know, physically, but emotionally. Why did you go to live in the car? I had to. I was I was kicked out. By your mother? By Spooky. Why did Spooky kick you out of your own home? Spooky never liked me. I remember the first day I met her, I... Uh, 
I opened the door and there was this little chihuahua. Um, at first I thought there was no one there. And I looked down, which is about the size of my shoe. And I, I said, oh, little dog, um, who do you belong to? And she looked me square in the eye and she said, rack off, you slippery git. Do you think Spooky targeted people like your mother? I think that Spooky had a second sense, yeah. So she could really, she could sniff out when people were uh, desperate. And my mum was desperate. She'd watched a lot of Desperate Housewives. Um, she was watching Family Feud every night. My mum, uh, as sweet as she is, she always had a perverse desire to become a uh, heiress and a millionaire. She used to dress up like Lana Del Rey um, and she'd just sort of have cocktails by herself in the kitchen and she'd just laugh. Um, and I used to ask her what she was doing and she said she was Lana Del rey in her life. Spooky, when are you going to come and pick me up from Reno? I've been here for weeks and I'm all out of money. Yesterday I ate gum off the bottom of a discarded shoe. These are just some of the men and women who fell for Spooky's charms. Viewers are warned that there is some harsh language coming up. Spooky, my penis has fallen off. Spooky, you said you would get me a new penis when it fell off and it's fallen off completely. Spooky, please call back. Spooky, how have I managed to sell my children into indented servitude? A man came and picked them up this evening. I didn't sign the contract, but why was my signature there on the contract? Spooky... I'm just looking at this check here and it says that you'll be paying me in bells. I don't need any bells. I work for the Catholic Church. We got bells of the wazoo. Spooky, what the fuck? Spooky, I heard you on air saying that I stole your taco night tater tot hot dish. Well, let me tell you, Spooky, I am going to come and get you. I've got my code of destiny and you won't forget about it. I'm going to fucking... Hi, Spooky, this is Joe Biden. You've been talking a lot of malarkey about me, and this got to come to an end, small pup, all right? I am not above kicking a pup in the face. These are just some of the men and women who reek now of the discontent Spooky has spread across the globe. But for every person who speaks ill of Spooky, there seems to be another willing to stick their neck out for her. And nowhere is this more true than in the very towns that she has bankrupted through games of chance. More after this. Spooky Sue Jenkins, a former politician, had a healthy pension and plenty of friends. But behind private doors, she was a different pup, calculating, cruel. It is said by many that she was thought to be untouchable. One of her former colleagues speaks to us anonymously. Spooky Sue was one of the greatest politicians I've ever met. The way that she was able to uh, consensus build was incredible. The whisper networks that she had were sensational. The locker talk that she could get down in was so gritty. And the wedgies, surprisingly high for such a small pub. 
But this is not just a story of deceit. It is one of an extraordinary abuse of power. Look, there'll always be a couple of bad apples in every institution, and Spooky was certainly one of them. But goddammit, she was an intoxicating apple. She was like a fermented apple that has that sweet release from this constant drudgery of just sitting on those benches and listening to those fucking waffling idiots just go on about minor fracking infractions and you're just thinking, God damn it, let's just bore it all. So you would say that she doesn't much care for law and order then? Oh, absolutely. If it stood in the way of what she wanted, well, nothing could stop her. Was she well liked? Well, yes and no. There were those who hated her, and there were those who loved her. Um, you know, like everybody in the media, you know? Like some people love Avril Lavigne. Some people like the new Avril Lavigne. Personally, I don't think it should be so complicated. And now, of course, in the wake of all this nonsense, the state is cooked up about it bankrupting towns through Games of Chance. You think this is a setup? It's malarkey. It's absolutely malarkey. You don't, you don't think it's malarkey? Are you the only one who thinks this? Oh, no. There are a lot of people who think like me. Like who? Well, there's the Knights of Spooky for a start. In the bankrupted far reaches of northern Victoria, there are many now seeking meaning to compensate the bankruptcy of their lives. Amidst the rubble, a new cult-like religion has surged. Travelling town to town with cup and balls, the leaders of this new faith are preaching values of anti-capitalism and communal ownership. These figures have swiftly been condemned by the government as the greatest threat to the Australian state since World War II. They call themselves the Knights of Spooky. Hello, Knights of Spooky. Blessed be the cup. Blessed be the ball. And when the cup and the ball are together, what does it make? A chance for a new life. Blessed be Spooky. Blessed be your beautiful dog. Blessed be Spooky. Patrick O'Donoghue is the praetor of the Knights of Spooky. As one of the first to be tricked out of his life savings, you would think that Patrick would resent Spooky. We joined him on his farm just north of Seymour to ask about what Spooky did to change his life. So, you've become quite a... You've become quite powerful in, in recent months living out in Northern Victoria, being the head of the Knight of Spooky. What do you think it is that draws people towards her? What do you think is so inspiring about her... I suppose you, you, you would call it a religion. So you want to talk to me about Spooky, do you? Well, you, you're willing to make it interesting. Well, what do you mean? Why don't you put your car keys into this cup? Alright, i got two cups here. One of them's got your car keys. Alright. Which, which one of these cups has your car keys in it? Um, uh, if you I... guess the one with your car keys in it, I'll answer your questions. If you don't, then you'll be asking, you'll be answering my questions, all right? I, I, I didn't agree to this. Do you want to, do you want to take a chance? Or do you want to live out your life as some sort of mealy mouth reporter? Take a chance by God, boy. 
fine. I'll go with the one on the left. There's nothing in there. Oh, shit. There's nothing in the right one either. Your car keys are gone. You have to forget about your car now. You're walking home, all right? But I will answer your questions, all right? What have you got for me? Uh, uh, I'm, my husband's going to be so upset. He saved up for... for, for th that, that Honda Civic is... It's his life. You know what that Honda Civic... That was holding him back. He doesn't need a Honda Civic. Oh, shit. That was a, a, a material possession that was holding him to this mortal realm. Look, and he, he, can, he can chance for more. He can beg for more. Look, Trevor, I think we've got everything that, that, um, that, that we need. We need. Do you want to bet that belt? More after this. On the 27th of April, 2020, Spooky Sue Jenkins was reprimanded in her home in Brunswick West. While she had fled the nation in a military helicopter with Bronwyn Bishop and an estimated $10 billion of stolen money, thorough searches of her home were unable to turn up either bodies or the stolen cash. In fact, little of the house in which she resides would suggest the vast sums of money this dog has stashed away. The house's taps leak and the walls are cracked. The bathroom is overrun by a chorus of unionized frogs. The only sign of lavishness is a giant 50-foot effigy of the Chihuahua which stands watch in their backyard. Curious, we thought it would be best to hunt down the dog herself. After her release from bail, we camped outside our home, waiting for her to show up. Is that her? Yeah, I think that's her. Alright, let's go. Spooky Sue! Oh, get away from me! We oh. just want to talk! Oh. We just what want to talk! What are you, reporters? Oh, what? Channel 7 or Channel 9? Channel 7 or Channel 9? Oh, you're all scam of the earth! Wait, Channel 7 or Channel 9 there? 20 minutes later, and with some difficult negotiation, Spooky agreed to interview us in her house. Sorry about all that before. I thought you were from Channel 7. Oh, that's perfectly fine, Spooky. You know Channel 7 is it's an unlucky number? Lucky for some, but you won't have me breaking the seventh seal. Very good, Spooky, very good. Now, I wanted to talk to you today about your upcoming case. What do you make of the charges that have been laid against you? Would you like a peppermint tea or a chamomile tea? Yes, that'd be lovely, thank you. Which one? Uh, peppermint. All right, there you go. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank I mean, you. I'll pour the water in it. Glug, glug, glug. Thank you. Thank you. Spooky. I like to sing a little song to my water as oh. it goes into the cup. Would you like to hear it? Uh, no, 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 no. That's fine. Clug, clug, clug goes the water. Sip, sip, sip goes the tea. Spooky. Yum, yum, yum goes the lovely tea. Spooky, Spooky. What do you make of the charges that have been laid against you? You're gonna need a biscuit to go with that tea. I don't need a biscuit. I'm fine. I'm. I got some scotch fingers. No, no, I'm, I'm fine. It's a fresh pack. They're fresh. Okay, okay, I'll take a biscuit. Alright, so, what do you make of the charges that have been laid against you? You know, you strike me as an Arrowroot fan. You know what's a really good thing that I do? I'm a little bit strange, but one thing that I'd like to try is I spread a little bit of peanut butter on my Arrowroot, and then I cut a little bit of banana, and I put it on top. Spooky, you're deflecting. What, what, what would it's you like say? a crudité. What would you say to those people that you have wronged? Those people that you have bankrupted? It's going to be raining tomorrow. Would you like to borrow an umbrella? No, I don't need an umbrella. Spooky, where is the money that you stole from your victims? 
I gave it to Mick Gatto and he spent it on flowers. Do you expect us to believe that? Where is the money, Spooky? I invested it in rubber sole boots. Spooky, where is the money? I gave it to Gina Reinhardt. She wanted to carve a poem into Uluru. Spooky, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. If you don't have this money, how are you affording that giant statue out back? That statue... I mean, I could tell you some tales about that, but that has got nothing to do with me or anything. I mean, it might look like me for now, before the nose falls off, but I've got nothing to do with that fucking statue. I can tell you that for real. How are you paying your lawyer? Oh, Sylvester? Well, he's very nice. He's doing it pro bono. Pro bono? But you have so much money. Well, he's doing a pro bono with some gifts. Knowing that the interview with Spooky was a dead end, we traced down the next line of defence. Her lawyer, Sylvester Flanders Nagel. Following his Yellow Pages address led us to a tip in North Melbourne. After messaging for several weeks over Instagram Messenger, he finally agreed to meet us for high tea at the Hilton Hotel, where he claimed to be staying. Why are you defending Spooky Sue Jenkins? Doesn't... Every small, innocent bird deserve a defence. But she's a dog. When I'm speaking metaphorical, man, will you follow me? If you see a beautiful baby sparrow fall from the nest and then several pieces of excrement falling after it, smothering its tiny beak, do you not smack off the muck, pick the bird up and say, you deserve a fair trial? So I take it then that you think that she has a case? I think she has more of a case than most people do for being on this earth, for being a leader, for speaking the truth within the hedge of lies. But you think she has a defence? There's so much evidence to, to, to put her into jail. You know, there's the footage of the car chase, the podcast that she's been producing, um, you know, several records of... Uh, travelling town to town all over Facebook and Instagram. Do you really think that a baby lamb could be running a podcast, could be renting a car, could be organising a casino, could be cavorting with Delta Goodrum? A baby lamb. So you say this is a setup? I say that it is planned. You claim to be an attorney, is that correct? There are some malicious snickerers who may be getting into your ear like proverbial worms. Are you aware that there's no such thing as an Australian attorney? I don't claim to be anything, alright? It's other people put labels on me. I shuck from labels. I... Labels run off my back. Like water off a goose's neck. Are you a lawyer at all? Are you a lawyer? Well, no, I'm a reporter. But are you a lawyer? I'm a lo- I'm more of a lawyer than you'll ever be. But are you a lawyer? What kind of a question is that? You're one of those malicious snickerers. It's a yes or no question. Are well, you a lawyer? That's actually, well, that's a trick question, because, you know, if I, you know, 
Um, a lawyer never a never answers a yes or no question. In a week, the trial of Spooky Sue will begin. Will she be brought to justice, or will she again evade the grasp of the law? Prosecutor David McFarlane believes that it will be an easy trial. Oh yes, I don't think we'll have much trouble. Um, I mean, she really, she really incriminates herself. Everything she does is incriminating to her. Um, each and every day, she's recording her podcasts. She's doing. She's putting videos up on her Instagram, which are conflicting with her stories. Um, she tried to convince her Instagram followers that she'd given all of her money to Mick Gatto to buy flowers. Mick Gatto hasn't bought a flower in years. Um, it's going to be like uh, taking candy from a baby. And, you know, she thinks that she's really cute, that she's a, you know, she's going to get away with it because she's a, a, you know, a cute little chihuahua. But, you know, she's not as cute as Henry here, my dog, a beautiful basset hound. Now, this is a cute dog. Look at these jowls. Ah, oh, I don't know if you can hear them. But, ah, oh, to feel the jowls of a proper dog and the teeth, mmm, yellow. Like they should be. Like candied corn. Oh. So good to kiss. Oh, Henry, you're such a good dog. You're a great dog. And you, you know what? Even better than a great dog, you're a great defence attorney's secretary. Types all of my letters. Amazing pup. Way better than Spooky Sue. And I'm going to be getting the media attention for Henry during this trial. He's going to be the dog of the hour. Spooky's Finished. After speaking to Sylvester and David, we returned to Spooky to see what she had to say. How do you think your case will go? Uh, look, to be honest, I don't know. Would you get out of my house? Do you think it's going to be okay? Ah, uh, you know, I think it would go pretty well. I've got a lot of faith in Sylvester. You know, he's got this kind of very, um, I guess, um energetic way of speaking. It's quite tiring, actually. But, um, you know, I have taken a couple of Percocets. You don't have any worries? Of course I have worries. Don't you have any worries? You should be worrying about that tie. What have you got on that? A crown? A royal crown? Oh my god, you're one of those royalists? Like, would you get out of here? I've given you your arrowroot. Yes, of course. Um, any last words, Spooky? Alright, yes, I do have some words to leave you with. Um, how about these words? When you look at me, you notice my ears, my whiskers poking out from my nose. You covet my warm belly, my soft kisses. But what you do not see, when you look at me, is that I am extremely skilled at rock climbing. When you look at me, you think about my fuzzy bottom, my soft and fluffy eye sacs, my swishy tail, but this is not me. For what you fail to see is me practicing every night, scaling the walls of the Pentridge prison, 
You fail to see that I keep the neighbors up all night, shining their torches at an expected possum. But I am not a possum, nor will I ever be. I am an absolute terror to the local council. When you look at me, you don't see me. You look right past my ability to ascend steep and difficult walls, to focus on my little paws that look like cotton balls. You linger on my nips and wonder what they're for. Never ask yourself where those nips have been and what they've saw. But I am the world's best rock climber. And I will scale the towers of the Balti Bridge. And yes, I probably will have to be rescued by helicopters. And yes, there will be a big fuss about it. You will never see me at the top of the Balti. But I will see you. When I'm high enough to see everything, I will see you. And I'll think, how small it all is here on the bridge. Spooky Sue, thank you for your time. I'll see you in heaven, reporter. Thank you.